You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Second down and two, the handoff to Penny. At the 15, at the 10, at the 5, he's in! Touchdown, Seahawks! Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. First and 10 at the Seattle 40, play fake Stafford. Going to stop, going to look, gets hit, goes down! Back in midfield, getting to him in the backfield is Daryl Taylor. Presented by Delta, the official airline of the Seahawks. Now, here's your host, Jen Mueller. And we are in front of a live crowd here in Munich, Germany. Jen Mueller alongside. John, how come you don't cheer for me like that normally? I don't know. Am I supposed to? Next time. Next time. I, I like Next it. Next time. Jen Mueller and John Boyle from Seahawks.com. We're going to break down the Seahawks game against Tampa Bay. But, John, you have to start with what we've seen so far in Germany. I know not a lot of time to sightsee, but the fans are everywhere. And the beer's pretty good, too. You are correct on both accounts. I tell you what, I walked here from our hotel. It was probably like 10 to 1 Seahawks fans to Bucks fans on the way here. So I think it's going to be wild at the stadium on Sunday. Well, and I think that perhaps some people are underestimating this. So we know that the stadium on Sunday seats about 75,000 people, right? Correct. We also know that the NFL said that there were ticket requests for up to 3 million tickets. 3 million people wanted to come and see this game. I think they need a bigger stadium. I think they need a bigger stadium. But here's what I read last night. And this is from an AP writer, a Reuters writer. They said this. It shows how popular Tom Brady is that everybody wanted to come to Germany. Not quite. I mean, look, Tom Brady is very popular here. The Patriots are a very popular team here, much like the Seahawks are. But a lot of the reason there's that much demand is there are a ton of Seahawks fans in Germany, really all over Europe, and there have been for a long time now. We saw it in London four years ago. We're seeing it here. I think the 12s are going to turn out big. I do think it's going to be a surprise for folks who don't understand how good this Seahawks team is. And I was talking to one of my cab drivers today. He's from Ghana. He's lived in Germany for 12 years. And he said that he was going to watch a little bit of the game. I said, who are you going to cheer for? He said, I don't know, probably whichever team is winning. And I said, here's the thing. I think you're going to like the Seahawks team better. And he said, why? And I said, because it is so obvious that this team plays with energy. And there's so much personality. Look, the Bucks are having a down year. I realize that they are leading their division. But, John... I think people are going to be able to see what's special about this team. Yeah, I mean, we've been seeing it all year. That's been a big part of their success is this culture that Pete Carroll has built here. This team is having so much fun. We saw These guys should have been so tired and jet-lagged when they got on the practice field Thursday, and they were just having a great time bouncing around. It's a young team, a lot of rookies contributing, and it's all added up to a great unexpected season. We give Pete Carroll a lot of credit, and he deserves it. We give John Schneider a lot of credit, and Jody Allen deserves a lot of credit, too, for where this team is compared to expectations. We keep talking to Pete about that, but let's give some love to the folks at the top who are making decisions. Absolutely. Pete brings her up all the time because, look, she's not out in the public. Sometimes fans don't really connect with her because she's not doing stuff like Pete is publicly, but she's a big part of what's going on. She's making important decisions behind the scenes, including extending John Schneider and Pete Carroll a while back. So yeah, this this organization is in great hands right now. And she is in Germany, so perhaps we will get a chance to see her a little bit tomorrow at the game. When it comes to the game, John, I think people are using this as a benchmark for both of these teams, but in very different ways, right? The Bucks season has not gone 
based on what they thought it was going to be, right? So last week's win for the Bucks was, can this save their season? Meanwhile, Seattle's looking for its fifth straight win, and it's not about saving the season. It's about, can they continue this against one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time? Exactly. I mean, we've seen this for a month now. This team has been on a roll. They're playing defense now, which was the issue earlier in the year. The defense is great. We've seen four straight double-digit wins. As you mentioned, Tampa Bay, they were in, up against it last week. They'd lost three straight. I think they're going to come in this game feeling pretty good, though, just because they did get that win. And the way their division's going, suddenly they're in first place. So even though their season hasn't gone as they'd expected, they kind of probably look at this as a fresh start. So I think you're going to see both teams coming out really fired up. Do you think the younger Seahawks players might be even more motivated because they're realizing that they are underdogs in this game and they can't figure out why? Yeah, no, I think that's definitely a factor. I mean, look, in a you would, ideally you'd say players don't listen to that and they're just focused on Tassian, but they're humans and they see this and they see, you know, was it ESPN's FPI gives the, I almost said the Patriots, that's what Tom Brady does, <laughs> just gives the Bucks like an 83% chance to win or something like that. And they, they know, they see that, they're on social media, they watch TV, so I think that does put a little chip on the shoulder for sure well and what i would say is this it is not so much about like trash talking i don't even know if it's disrespect as much as it is just being perplexed like just not understanding do you not see the highlights that they're putting together yeah and they're not squeaking out wins again it's four straight wins by double digits that's something this team has not done since the end of the 2014 season and we know how that season went in the postseason so yeah it's uh it is, you know, I think people just, the expectations externally were so low for a lot of people coming into the season, they still don't want to really accept that what this team is doing is very real and it's sustainable. I love what Pete Carroll said about those expectations earlier in the week because he is always the optimist, but there was a reason that he said, I know, but I know. there was a reason that he said that because he saw this. Yes, and it was funny, he actually acknowledged that in the answer, he's like, yeah, I mean, to be fair, he's going to be optimistic no matter what. I mean, he's one of the most optimistic human beings you'll ever be around. But it was more than just that. I remember having conversations with him in, like, late July, early August, early training camp. Everyone's down on this team. And I remember him kind of just having this confidence about it. it. Just, like, just wait. We'll see how it goes. Like, he knew that they had something special building. I mean, it may not be exactly how he dreamed it up this summer. He might not have known how much these rookies were going to contribute. I don't think you could have predicted that. Maybe you couldn't have predicted Geno Smith playing at quite this high level, but he very much believed in Geno Smith. But, yeah, it's all come together, I think, a lot like Pete Carroll knew it would. And uh, if anything, he's disappointed it took him five weeks to really get going. And when you talk about Geno Smith, his numbers all year long have been good. But last week, the game against Arizona, I do think that that was a good benchmark for him. The Seahawks had three straight drives of 75 yards or more that ended in touchdowns. And there were some big moments late in that game that once again, when they needed a scoring drive, zero panic, just a methodical march down the field. Well, and you left out, I think, what the most impressive part of that is it came right on the heels of that pick six where... Geno Smith has been so good all year, he really hasn't faced a lot of adversity. Even when the team was losing games, it was more on the defense. So we all kind of, I think everyone wondered, okay, how's he going to handle this? It's been, he's been rolling, rolling, rolling. What's he going to do when he throws his pick six that gave Arizona the lead? Next drive, boom, five for six for a touchdown. Then they go back down, score twice more with Kenneth Walker doing his thing. So it was a really impressive finish for really the whole team, but especially for Geno. Well, and I think about the only thing we haven't seen Gino do 
is lead that must-have game-winning drive like two minutes to go. We've, I we've mean, to be fair, scores. they've been leading like late in all these games. So. I know, <laughs> but I just wonder, uh, people have to know that he's good, right? He is leading the league in completion percentage. He is third in the league in QBR. You have to know, but I'm wondering if that's kind of the capper to really prove to people that he's got this. Yeah, I mean, look, everyone's going to measure quarterbacks by a lot of measures, but that's one of them is how do you do in these clutch moments? I will say, you know, it's probably unfair to him to say he can't, if people think he can't do that, because he basically did it against the Falcons, but there was an iffy holding call. I mean, if that's not called, they're inside the 10-yard line, and it's probably a different finish. So I think he's very capable of that. He can come through in the big moments, and at some point we'll see it this season. We are hearing Seahawks chants here in Munich because we are bringing you the Seahawks Insiders podcast live from Munich, Germany. Wait, it's not this loud inside the VMAC? I'm, I'm going to expect this every week, John. I need my own cheering section we're gonna get, every we're gonna week. We're going to get our coworkers to come down. That's and, right. Yeah. Every week we're going to do this. So Seattle plays the Bucks on Sunday. A couple of surprising numbers when you look at this matchup. Yes, Tom Brady is among the league leaders when it comes to passing yards, but Geno Smith has the edge when it comes to touchdowns. And Seattle overall, one of the best offensive teams in the league, top 10 in several categories they have got the bucks beat in just about every category except for passing yards per game but i think the most surprising it's points per game for the bucks and it is rushing yards per game they are at the bottom of the league in both well exactly you mentioned how they're up there in passing yards i don't think that's necessarily by design for them but they just have not been able to run the ball well that being said you ask anybody on the seahawks defense this week they're not going to take that lightly they know that there's very capable, talented players on that Bucks offense. And you know, look, in this league, the second you think you've got a team figured out and that you, something's not going to work for them, teams tend to figure it out. So you got to play this game as if they're the best offense you're going to see and then see how it goes. The Bucks are averaging just over 60 yards a game rushing. They have 546 total rushing yards. That is last in the league. And if you look at some of the players, there are quarterbacks in the league that have more individual rushing yards than the Bucks do as a team. But the points per game, John, this was one of the best offenses, highest scoring offenses the last two years. 18 points a game, that is a significant drop. Yeah, I mean, we're, I think a lot of what we're seeing is just some roster attrition that's natural in this league. Their front office did a great job at pretty much bringing the whole team back after the Super Bowl, and they were really good last year, but you have Gronk retiring. They lost some guys on the offensive line. They're just, you know, look, Tom Brady, all-time great, but he doesn't have quite the help around him that he did before, and it's, it's showing up in a few ways. You mentioned Rob Gronkowski. Brady joked last week about once again trying to bring him back. And when you look at the productivity that they lost, it's pretty evident. Last year, Gronk, 55 receptions for 102 yards, six touchdowns in 12 games played. Now consider the tight end group this year for the Bucks: 43 receptions as a group, 432 yards, just one touchdown. And it was a former Husky that did it last week. I was going to say, week. we should give some love to the local kid, Kate Otten from, I believe, Tumwater. Yep. So good for they got a couple former huskies there they do one of them is quite the monster i know i'm gonna get to vita bay in a minute but when you talk about the struggles of this offense you have to start up front with a bucks but i'm curious how this affects the seahawks defense because they have racked up 19 sacks in the last four games but with a revamped offensive line tom brady's getting that ball out faster than he ever has i, I don't know if the rush gets to him i mean that's the thing sacking tom brady has never been entirely about his protection he is so good at just having that internal clock, knowing when to get the ball out, 
For a guy who doesn't seem very athletic, he's really good at moving within the pocket. So, yeah, I mean. <laughs> wait a I, minute. Wait a minute. Wait, wait a, a minute. What? He doesn't seem athletic. Can you I do mean, what he does? God, no. But I'm not athletic either. <laughs> I'm just saying. Look, look, we all, you know, seen the, the picture of his combine and seen the 40 time. He's not, you know, the twitchy, fast athlete. But he's obviously the greatest to ever do what he does. And my point being. Just because he's not going to run away from guys, he's very elusive within the pocket. I am very curious what that means for the back end of the defense. Brady has thrown just one interception this year. That came in week one. But when you are getting the ball out that fast, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're completing passes. And with as opportunistic as this Hawks defense has been, I wonder if it's not the front push. I mean, it all works together, right? Yeah, but, for sure. But, but I wonder if it's the guys in the back end that make the plays. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have to be on top of your coverage because, again, he'll get the ball out quick. It's going to be a really big test, not just for the guys on the back end, but those linebackers in coverage, Kobe Bryant in the nickel when he's in the middle of the field. So, look. I don't care who's on that field. If Tom Brady is, they're going to find ways to test you. Well, and there isn't anything that Tom Brady hasn't seen. No. Like, that's kind of the X factor in this game, right? Yeah, he's seen so much. I mean, it's like a veteran coach who's seen everything, only he's the one doing it on the field. So it's going to be really hard to fool him with anything. You're just going to have to be really on your game, really disciplined, and then make the plays when they come to you. And I wonder if that's where some of the youth has the advantage, not just because it's young legs, not just because they have some momentum, but because you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. I mean, you've watched Tom for years, but it is an entirely different thing when Tariq Woolen and Kobe Bryant are watching him launch the ball downfield. Yeah, for sure. Sometimes, you know, just kind of the ignorance of youth can be good for you. Just go out, do your thing. You're not worried about, oh, my gosh, who's this guy in front of me? It's just, hey, let's go play some football. And, and they're playing really good football. They are playing there. really good. And we did see, and we heard from Pete Carroll this week, talking about Tariq Woolen kind of adding to his game a little bit more, just some of those little techniques that might go unnoticed. But he really has continued to add, right, and, and to make that full transition as the coaching staff has gotten used to what fits him. Yeah, it's, it's been amazing to watch his development. We all knew about the athletic ability, and, you know, they call him Reek the Freak for a reason. He's just an incredible specimen, but he's doing technically challenging things. Pete Carroll, his style of cornerback play is tough to learn for a lot of guys. We've seen veterans come in here who don't adjust well to it. So for him to come in, being the guy everyone projected, oh, he's raw, he's going to take time, he's this project. No, he's already looking like one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. I would also point out one of my favorite to listen to. I could listen to Tariq Woolen talk. Shoot for hours on the bus yesterday shoot i love the shoot it's not just that i'm gonna have him read children's books i think he would be a great author for children's just books kind of that slow texas draw I just, it's nice it's it's so it's it's, soothing it is very soothing i could listen to Tariq talk all day long which i wish people said about me but that's just not that's well, not they, they kind of do they so. have to yeah whether they want to you're or not you're on their tv their they radio you're just they everywhere you turn on a hockey game. You turn on baseball. It's, it's She's just everywhere. there. It's there. Before we go into a couple of more individual performances, let's flip this around because you mentioned the other UW product. Vita Vea scares the crap out of me. And well, it's not yeah. just because he is a massive human being. He's a massive human being who's also way too fast for a man that size. He is so powerful. I mean, you, I swear every sack he's had in his career is 
taking a guard or a center yeah. and basically carrying him to the quarterback. It's, it's terrifying if you're an opposing lineman. It has to be that way because it's not just the six and a half sacks that he has racked up, which, by the way, is a team lead. He started off slow. In the last few weeks, he has heated up. It is the fact that those sacks have accounted for 45 and a half lost yards. His rush is unbelievably disruptive. Well, yeah, because he destroys pockets. It's not, you know, sometimes an edge rusher comes around, a quarterback steps up, and even if he gets you, it's, you know, you're closer to line of scrimmage. But Vita Vea is driving back the pocket right into the quarterback's lap. We talked about Tom Brady and his timing and his ability to get the ball out. What have we learned about Geno and his timing and ability to get the ball out? I mean, he's been th this. We've seen this offense all year. Part of the reason it's functioning so well is he's getting the ball out in rhythm. Like, look, there's been some sacks, especially on third down when you, know, you got to get a certain yardage. But he's willing to take the take the passes that are there. He's not forcing stuff downfield. He'll take the shots when they're there and he's great at throwing it downfield. But yeah, I mean, DK talked about that a little bit this week of just they're in rhythm. The timing is great. He gets the ball. And the other thing, he's been really impressive, still getting good accurate throws off when the pocket's collapsing around him. Yes. He had one last week where, you know, a defensive player is like pushing into the side of him and he's falling away and just throws a dart. So it's impressive. Do you think that is because of the trust that he has in his receivers or tight ends to be there? Or is it the ability that he has to make that throw? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, it's both. It's confidence in himself. I mean, we've heard him all year. It's not cockiness, but he's confident whenever people want to bring up, like, make him sound like this big Cinderella story. He's kind of like, you know, I've been good the whole time, just didn't get the opportunity. So he trusts his arm talent. But also, when you've got DK Metcalf, you've got Tyler Lockett, Noah Fant, Will Disley, all these guys, he trusts them that if he puts the ball in a tight spot, that they're going to be the one to make the play. Well, and I would say this, he's using the entire field. When you start hitting those underneath routes and staying on schedule, you can get the ball out faster, right? Yeah. Like, if not everything needs to be to DK and Tyler downfield, and you trust the tight ends and use the middle of the field, it makes a big difference. For sure. One of my favorite throws he made last week was they ran that double pass, which obviously you're trying to hit the home run there. He gets the ball back, and Arizona saw it coming and covered it well. DK Metcalf was doubled downfield still, so he just threw a perfect strike over the middle in traffic to Noah Fant. And it takes not just accuracy but discipline to take the right throw there versus this play was designed to be a home run. I want to hit the home run, and then you maybe make a bad decision. Well, and then you add that with Ken Walker, and I thought last week was a good growing game for Ken Walker because you could tell postgame he was frustrated by the first half of that game. I never saw that on the sidelines, but he wanted to break one of those early runs, and it wasn't going to happen against that defense early. For sure. That, to me, was you know, maybe more impressive than the games we've seen him break off the 74-yard touchdown, the 69-yard touchdown, because, you know, we know he's a home run hitter, but they made him work really hard, and for half of that game, it looked like the run game just wasn't going to be there for the Seahawks, but he kept at it, was persistent, and really the whole line gets credit for this, too, those tight ends. They just wore on the Cardinals, and then the end of the game, when they needed it, there's nothing an offense likes better than when they have the lead and the team knows you got to run, and you run it down their throat. My favorite drive, I think, of that whole game was the last touchdown, Arizona needs to stop to save their chances that game. They didn't even get the Seahawks to third down. It was yep. first down, second down, first down, first down, touchdown. Like, to run on a team like that when they know it's coming is just awesome. I would also say this. The Seahawks are not necessarily getting to the red zone before scoring, but I want to see those red zone numbers improve. Well, that, they were that better has been last a, week. That they, was the first time. They were, time. but... Yeah. 
that, that's the other kind of skewed number there, right? Like, yeah. you don't have as many third down conversions because you're not getting to third. You don't have as many red red zone numbers because you're hitting from 30 yards yeah, out. Yeah, they a lot 20, of long right? touchdowns with those weapons DK has and their running backs are home run hitters. But yeah, going into last week, I think they were second to last, but they were much better in the red zone this past week. And hopefully that's a sign of that turning for them because if they're finishing in there, that just makes them that much more deadly on offense. I feel like we should give some love to special teamers. Absolutely. We have not given, I don't think any love to Jason Myers yet this year. He has been money and he has one field goal away from passing John Casey for the fifth most on Seattle's all time field goal list with 83. I yeah. believe he's also the leading scorer in the NFL right now. Yes, he is. He has one miss this year and that was a high snap that kind of messed up the timing of that play. But otherwise he has just been on it all year. The best thing about him is just how automatic he seems from long range. I mean, we're old enough to remember that 50 yarders used to be hard yeah. and you didn't try him that often. And now it's, you know, mid 50s, send him out there and he just bangs it through every time. So he's been awesome. That whole special teams unit, they had kind of some big disasters earlier this season where it's like once a game, they're giving up a touchdown on special teams, which you just can't do. Lately, they've cleaned that up and they're just the kick coverage has been great. The punt coverage has been great. We're seeing Dariq Young make big contributions. Yeah. He had a tackle, and he downed that punt right by the goal line. So just a lot of guys chipping in, and that's really helping make them a more complete team. I love that you mentioned kind of the mistakes. I don't love you pointing out mistakes, but it goes to show this. Here's what I was going to point out. The Seahawks have allowed just 66 points in the last four games, but if you take out three of those touchdowns, because those were on miscues by the special teams unit, that defense looks even better. Yeah, I mean, they've by any measure been one of the best defenses in the NFL going back to week, was it five or six, their last four six, games. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, I mean, that was this team early on was either having to win a shootout or lose a shootout. And once we've seen the defense turn around, now we're seeing a team that goes out and beats teams pretty handily. You are hearing some chants from the fans here in Munich, Germany, where we have traveled with the Seahawks. We are so grateful to Delta Airlines for being our presenting sponsor. The best stories aren't the ones you're told. They're the ones you live. Meeting people in person. Facing challenges face-to-face. -face, getting out of your hometown and your comfort zone. Delta knows how important it is to see a different point of view from a different point of view. So for those who want their own story to tell, Delta Airlines has a world full of places to start. Delta, the official airline of the Seahawks. John, we talk about travel every week. We talk about what we love to do in each city. And what I'm going to say is this. I want to know what you've enjoyed here in Germany. But what I'm going to say this. This is my public service announcement for just travel. Just go see the world. Just talk to somebody who is from a different place. Just experience something different. Just travel. Absolutely. It's, it's one of the best luxuries of our job. Yes. Is we get to get out, see a lot of fun places. Obviously, we're working, so we maybe don't get to get the full experience, but I just love being in a city like this, walking around, seeing things, meeting people, experiencing, you know, good beer, good food, just everything it has to offer. So, yeah, great. This is, this is a beautiful city. I've been loving it. It here. really is a pretty city. It's very clean. I have enjoyed all of my interactions. I did go out to Dachau this morning. I did not spend nearly enough time, but it is an impactful experience when you start understanding some of history from a different point of view and, and actually seeing it play out. And between that and just getting in an Uber and talking to people who were, my Uber driver today was from Ghana. I had a Syrian refugee who drove me a couple of days ago and to talk sports with them, it's just fun. It's just a different perspective. 
You don't want to talk sports with people, I, I, John? No, I'm, you're just you, on you're a roll, You're not a Jen. people person. I just don't talk to people when I'm... No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, it's... Every, I couldn't agree more with any of that. Just the, the chance to get out and ex, experience, meet different people, different cultures, and, you know, this is a football trip for us first, but it's also a great opportunity just to learn. It is. And so wherever you can travel, I would encourage you to travel. If you can't make it to Germany, you know what? Pick a different city that the Seahawks play in because there is something to be taken from every culture and from experiences with other people. We are just about out of time here on our weekly podcast. But before we go, John, it's our favorite moments. What are the two things you need to see from the Seahawks to take home a win on Sunday? Well, we talked about Vita Vea earlier and that defensive front overall is really talented. So I think for me, it's keeping Geno Smith as clean as you can. Maybe, you know, keep them under two sacks and just don't let them wreck the game up front. Other side of the ball, keep it clean. Let's keep the turnovers off the board. Take care of the football. And I think this offense has a great chance to score a lot of points. All right, you kind of took mine, which I kind of knew you were going to do, because sometimes you do this to me, John. You could go first. You're in I charge know. here. I, the last time I went first, what happened, John? You made fun of me. The well, last time I, I went first, you made fun of me. You have I didn't scarred make fun me. Of yes, you, you did. I... Yes, you did. You did. You did. Okay, here's what I'm going to do. I would like to see that run defense. Look, the Seahawks always want to keep their teams one-dimensional. You're not going to be able to shut down Brady, but you will make his life difficult if you continue to stop that run game. They are averaging 60 rushing yards a game. They've got to stay under that. Can I get greedy and just say 45? Yeah, a couple of weeks ago I said I didn't want to get greedy with the Giants run game, and then they far exceeded what I said. So get I'm greedy. Say, I'm going to say 45 rushing yards, and yet I respect Le Leonard Fournette immensely. So. 45 rushing yards on that. Now, the other side of this is I want to see over 300 yards of offense from the Seahawks, which I realize isn't greedy, but the Bucks are coming off their best defensive game, just 206 yards allowed to the Rams, and 143 of that was Cooper Cup alone. So I do not want that Bucks defense to start feeling good about themselves. I want some big points, and I want big yards in the first half. I love it. Let's get it going early. Okay. Those are our keys to a win for the Seahawks on Sunday. It's going to be, I think, a happy flight home. Well, I'm predicting a happy flight home, regardless if they do what we tell them to do or not. Exactly. If they listen to this podcast, they're going to be in great shape. They're going to be in great shape. I think that's part of the meetings they have on Saturdays. Right. Is going like, over what, what, what do we Jen said? and John think we should do? Right. Yeah. That's, there's a lot of pressure on oh, us. Oh, we to shouldn't get this turn right. the ball over. Genius. <laughs> Well, we are genius, and we appreciate having some time here in Germany, being in front of the fans. We appreciate you for listening every week. We will be back with you next week for another edition of the Seahawks Insiders Podcast.